This week, we head into one of my favorite holidays. I love Thanksgiving. I love everything about it. I love uh, the time of the year. I love the weather that we're having this time of the year. I love the food. You know that. Dressing, gravy. Ooh, I love the food of Thanksgiving. Uh, I love family and friends. I love the pie of Thanksgiving. Is that different from food? Uh, I love people laughing. I love people talking it's always fun at, at every Thanksgiving there, there's laughing and talking and somebody's telling a story and somebody's telling a story over their story and somebody's telling a story back there and there's always somebody asleep in a chair. I love that there's somebody asleep in a chair. Uh, I love that Kelly was born on Thanksgiving Day. What an awesome, awesome day. I love the focus of Thanksgiving, the giving of thanks. All of these things, and then I love the focus of Thanksgiving. I get excited. I, I wish it were this afternoon. We we're going to celebrate it. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. Well, this year, to set the tone and to help us get ready and to really to help us do it right, we want to do it right this year, I want to ask a couple of questions. And so here are the questions. The first thing is this. This morning, heading into the week of Thanksgiving, are you thankful? Are you stressed out? Are you worried? Are you burdened? Are you distracted? Are you mad? Are you bitter? Here's the question. This week, heading into Thanksgiving, are you thankful? And then here's a more important question. The more important question is this, and what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? As we head into this week, what is it that you are thankful for? Our message today is entitled, Glory to God, glory to God. We're in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. I believe I've preached to this, uh, I believe once and if not two times, but we're gonna look at the account again today. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Glory to God. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 11, God's word says this, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God, except this foreigner. And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we are thankful for, for you today. We praise you today. We're thankful we have a hope today that endures. We're thankful that we have a Savior that loves us, that shows us, that shows us his love and his grace through the cross, the finished work of Calvary, that we might be saved, forgiven, restored, redeemed, renewed in the finished work of Jesus. Lord, we exalt you today. We truly do exalt you. Lord, I pray as, as we have gathered that you are pleased. I pray, Lord, as you hear our 
hearts poured out that you are pleased. And Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word, on this day when we head into a busy time of the year, Lord, when we could be very distracted, Lord, I pray that you would speak today, that you would lead, that you would convict. It would be your word. And I pray, Lord, that it would bear a supernatural impact in those that would hear it today. Lord, I pray if there's somebody that doesn't know you, I pray in the hearing of good news today that this very day that the hindrances will be removed and that today they would trust you in faith. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We offer this all to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we start off with a really a strange account recorded in Luke's gospel. Now, it is strange in that it is in the midst of the greater account of Jesus making his way to Jerusalem. That's what this is. Jesus is working his way to Jerusalem and to the cross that waits there. That is this event. That is the greater event. And there in the middle of that is recorded this event. Really, there's no lead into it. Really, there's not a summary or an application of it. It's, it's just here in the midst of the greater story. And yet it is very telling. And yet it is very profound. And if you think about it, if we look at it closely enough, we can see the heart of God in this story. We can see the heart of man also in this story. So here in the midst of the greater story, there is this strange, odd account that we look at today. Now let's go to our verses this morning. Starting this morning in verse 11. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. In verse 11, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. Now I want you to understand, we're jumping into the account this morning. And so understand, at this point, he has made abundantly clear that he is the Messiah. He has proclaimed that. He has taught that. It is abundantly clear he is the Savior promised of God. At this point, the disciples, they have seen many miracles, the ones that are recorded, many others, the, the Gospel of John tells us as well. They have heard many great teachings of Jesus. And Jesus has been and really still is training them to stand or to lead his church after he is gone. And so they've heard the teachings of Jesus. They've seen the many miracles of Jesus. They are in the process of being trained to lead the church after he is gone. At this point in verse 11, they are traveling to Jerusalem. Now understand this was no ordinary trip. This trip, when once they are there, Jesus will be arrested. Uh, Jesus there in that city will be crucified as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. And so understand, he is making the trip headed toward Calvary. He is making his way to the cross of Calvary. Now, I thought about that. I wonder if the disciples could feel the heaviness in the air. I wonder if there was a noticeable seriousness in Jesus as they were making the way. Was his mind preoccupied? Was he thinking about the coming days? 
I wonder as they traveled along, was there the normal small talk and joking that would have gone on as they had traveled before? I wonder if they're, they're making talk and talking about the things that they see and talking about what it is they're going to eat for supper. I, I wonder if those things are happening as they make their way. The verse says they had left Galilee and were on the border of Samaria. All right, go to verse 12. As he entered a village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him. As they approached the village, I think it's interesting, evidently the village itself is not important. It's not named. We do not know what village it is. But as this group approaches, it says they are met by 10 men with leprosy. Now, I think we need to understand the heaviness of that, the seriousness of that. That was a dreaded disease. That was a terrible disease. Not only was it disfiguring, not only was it painful, not only was it debilitating, it also separated you from everyone else. Now, that's an interesting part of it. Uh, you are sick and you're in pain. It's progressively growing, but in the process, you are separated from everyone else. Once a person was declared to be leprous, they were sent out of society. We don't want to catch that. We, we can't afford to have that sweep through our community. And so they are sent out from their jobs and they're sent out from their homes and their normal routines, whatever that once was, it is now over. And they're sent away from their families. They could only approach and, and stay at a distance, but they had to, by law, shout, unclean, unclean. In effect, they're saying, stay back. So maybe there are days they would meet their family and they could see them at a distance. Maybe they could see their kids, but they had to see them at a distance. And all the while, as someone drew near, they had to shout, unclean, stay back. Well, verse 12 says, they stood at a distance here. That's how they stood with everyone. And so they stand at a distance here. Now, I want you to see the, the depth of this. There was no real cure in this day. There was no true cure in this day. Now, they, they tried, I'll, I'll, I'll try to research it. They tried many oils. They tried many herbal remedies. Uh, they even tried putting on the blood of different animals. Uh, sometimes they would try to expose themselves to the sunlight. And there was no real cure to the disease, to the ailment. And so understand, as these people have gathered, as they stand at a distance, these people who had one time enjoyed life, these folks that had futures and families, these folks that went to celebrations, that sat at dinner tables, those that would hug their spouse and their kids, they are now found hopeless. And I don't, I don't know if that's, that's got to be the toughest part of this disease, they're progressively getting worse. It's a terrible disease, but they don't know that they're ever going to find a hope. They hear of something over there, and they rush that way, and they hear of something over there, and they go that way. But they are hopeless, and they have a terrible, terrible plight before them. Well, it says outside of this village, these 10 are standing off at a distance. Verse 13. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, it's interesting, the word for raised their voices 
It literally translates, they bellowed out, they yelled out, they screamed out. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now see this in this, in this verse. They know it is Jesus. Now I think that's interesting. Uh, they, they weren't just by luck uh, having run into Jesus. They, they, they weren't just uh, somehow stumbling upon Jesus. It's like they were looking for Jesus. It's like they heard he left there and he's headed down here. It's like they were looking for Jesus. And so they know it is Jesus. And they say, Jesus, master. The word for master means owner. The one that has authority, the one that rules, it's, it's the same idea as Lord. Master, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, I think this is the most telling thing of the whole discourse. They know it is Jesus. They've heard about Jesus. They call him the master. But more than that, they believe he is able to do something for them. Have mercy on us. They, they believe he can heal them. Have mercy, it means compassion, pity. Have pity on us. Have compassion on us. Help us, Lord, help us. Heal us. Now be sure, until right here, they've got it right. And I, I think about that picture. Until right here, they've got it right. They are doomed on their own. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the master. And their only hope is that he would have pity on them. They could run somewhere else. They could try something else. But their only true hope is that Jesus would have pity on them, that he would act and they would be healed. And so they cry out, Jesus, master, have pity on us. All right, looking at verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now, verse 14 is a great verse. It says, when he saw them. He saw them. When he saw them. Now, you're going to have to bear with me. I want to stop right here and I want to preach for just a second. Uh, you're going to have to give me a minute right here. Friends, listen to me. Jesus saw them. Jesus saw them. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Listen to me this morning. He sees People, oh, I don't know if he sees me. I don't know if I've sinned and it's too big. I don't know if I've gone too great of a distance. Listen, he sees people. More than that, as people, he sees sinners. More than that, he sees the plight we are in. He sees people. He sees us in our sin. He sees the plight that we are in. And he is merciful and he shows grace to those he Sees. Listen to me, friends, that is our Savior. That is Jesus. That is our gospel today. That is our good news today. I want you to think about this. He doesn't say, guys, I got something else on my mind today. He doesn't say, guys, 
I've got something bigger today. I'm headed to the cross today. No, our Savior, Jesus, sees them. Let me tell you something. The reason he is treading this path to Jerusalem is the same reason he pauses and stops. Our Savior sees. There's an old hymn. It's funny, as I get older, there's older hymns, and I love those hymns. I love the words to them. I think about, man, the, the, the thought, the heart that produced these words. But there's an old hymn, and I love it, and it says this. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. Listen to those words. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Friends, I want you to hear and I want you to be assured on the authority of God's word. Our Savior, Jesus, does not pass anyone by. You hear me? He does not pass anyone by. And he stops here at this place and he sees them because it is who he is. Now, one time I preached in the Gospel of Luke. You may remember that. In chapter 18, the very next chapter, it says that he stops and he sees blind Bartimaeus who couldn't see him. Jesus does that because it is who he is. In the 19th chapter, the next chapter after that, it says that he stopped. In verse 5, it says, and he looked up and he sees Zacchaeus up in a tree. He does that because it is who he is. And so he sees them on this day because it is who he is. Listen to me. He sees you and he sees me because it is who he is. Our Savior doesn't pass anyone by. Now back to the other sermon already in progress. When he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, in the book of Leviticus, it tells us, there's a very strict ordering here. Once a person was healed, they were, de they were determined unclean. Once they are healed, after a waiting period, they were to go to the priests, and the priests would verify their healing. After their healing was verified, their cleansing was verified, it was at this point they could then go back to society. Well, I want you to notice here, the master says, go, and as they were going, they were cleansed. He doesn't heal them and have a waiting period. He doesn't say, well, here's some things to do. He says, go, and as they were going, they were cleansed. Now, here's what happens here. They believe his word. He says, go, and they go. They trusted what he said, and so they trust, and they go. And as they go, they're healed. As they go, they are cleansed. Now, that has to be the craziest thing ever. And we read this account, we read this account, we get used to it. Well, they start going, and as they go, the, the scales fall off, the, the leprosy heals up, the sores heal up, and they're healed. Listen, can you imagine how crazy this is? Can you imagine how long it had been for some of them and this was all they knew and they knew death was imminent, death was coming? Can you imagine they started to say, is this really happening? And they look at their friend and they look at the face of this other guy and they look at themselves. Is this crazy? Is this truly, truly, really happening? Watch this, verse 15. Now one of them, when he saw 
that he had been healed turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. Let me read verse 15. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, it was a fact, it was done, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. Now here's, I, I just saw this. I don't know why I had always pictured it differently. This guy doesn't go to the priest. Now I don't know if it's just my, my old Sunday school mind that I, I pictured this. I always thought they went to the priest and coming back from the priest, he, he stops back by. No, that's not what happens here. When he sees that he's healed, he stops, he turns back, and he goes back. If he were to go on to the priest, he could go back to living. If he would make his way to the priest, he could go home. If he would go to the priest, he could see his family. He had to be cleared that he could go back to society. But I want you to see this. No, he doesn't go on to the priest. He turns back when he sees that he's healed right then. He turns back. Now, the Bible says this. He began to glorify God in a loud voice. Now, sometimes I'm an excitable person, but I, I can't imagine this. I can't imagine this. I'm doomed. I have no hope. I have no answer. I spend my night in tears. I'm in such pain. Oh, if I could see my kids. Oh, if I could see my family. And that's this guy. And I don't know, we went and we sat in the sun, it didn't do anything. We traveled over to that other city and we got some of the fancy oil and it didn't do anything. And can you imagine as he's going to the priest, I don't know what they say when they're going, I don't know, I'm still sick. I don't know why we're going yet, we're not healed. But then there's a point when he sees that he's healed and it says he glorifies God in a loud voice. Now, I don't know what that, what that looks like, but his shouts of despair, Lord, have mercy on me, becomes a shout of praise. Praise the Lord, I am healed. Woo, can you imagine this guy? Verse 16. He fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. He was a Samaritan. Now, the others must have been Jews. This guy singled out here as a Samaritan. He falls on his face. He falls at the ground. He gives thanks to him. He was a Samaritan. Verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Verse 18, was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Verse 19, and he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Made you well literally translates has saved you. Your faith has saved you. All right, at this point this morning, let's go back to those original questions. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to us. This is personal application. Let's go back to those original questions this morning. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Is that your heart today? Is that your attitude this morning? These nine, we could talk about them. We could try to figure them out. But here's, here's what I think happens to these nine. I think they saw they were healed. They saw they were healed, and I, 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 they were blown away. And I don't know how they couldn't be. They were blown away. 
their, their, their terrible plight had been removed. Their life had been restored. They see that they're healed and they had to be blown away. They were glad. Oh, can you imagine the joy in their heart? Their lives were back. And so here's what they did. They hurried to the priest. And I don't know what the priest was doing when they got there, but I bet they stepped over those folks and I bet they pushed aside those folks and they pressed into the priest. Can you see? Do you see? I'm healed. Do you see? My life is back. And then they rushed away from the Savior they once sought Back to their lives. That's what they did. They were glad. They were filled with joy, but they, they rushed back to their lives. And in doing so, they passed the Savior they once sought. Let me ask the question, are you thankful? Do you remember your hopelessness outside of Christ? Sometimes we get so far down the road, we forget that. Do you remember your despair? Outside of Christ, outside of Christ, you have no hope, you have no remedy, you have no answer. Do you remember that? Has your life led you away from the Savior you once sought? And oh, I got jobs and I got bills to pay and I got celebrations to plan and I got groceries to buy and I've got things to do and we've got kids to raise and we've got grandkids to see. Has your life led you away from the Savior you once sought? Are you thankful today? Next question is this. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Now, I want you to stick with me on this. This, I think, will change our thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? Now, maybe you say, oh, I'm thankful for so many things. Listen, we ought to be. I'm so thankful for so many things. I'm thankful for blessings I'm thankful for the good things. I'm thankful for the provision of God. There were so many times I didn't know how we were going to make it, and he has provided. I'm thankful for the comfort that I now have. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my friends. Maybe you're thankful for life itself. You're thankful for your health today. Maybe you're thankful for your salvation, for the forgiveness of sins. For Praise the Lord for that. Maybe you're, you're thankful for a hope, for a future. I want you to see this. In Hebrew, in the, the language of the Old Testament, thank the Lord or give thanks to the Lord, Psalm 105, Psalm 106, Psalm 107. That translates, listen to this, to heave thanks. It's a very graphic word. To heave thanks. It means this, to throw down Thanks. That's literally what it means. To throw down thanks. It is a great word. It means to pour out thanks. To, to take it and not hold any back, not to dribble it out, but to pour out thanks. In the Greek, in the New Testament, when we find this word, when we find this phrase, it means to properly thank. Now that's pretty deep. To properly thank. It means to give thanks where thanks is due. Uh, not fake thanks, not thanks where it's not due, but to give thanks where thanks is due. Now I want you to see what this guy does. This man turns around and he's deliberate 
in his turning around, that's verse 15. This man shouts out, praising the Lord. That's verse 15. This man falls down in reverent worship. That's verse 16. Then this man gives thanks where thanks is due. That's verse 16. Now, what does Jesus call all of that? In verse 18, he calls it giving glory to God. Was there no one else found? Where are the other nine? Was there no one else found? To give glory to God. That response is giving glory to God. Now, stay with me. We're almost there. This is very awesome. Remember our list? We're thankful for our family, for our friends, for our provision. We're thankful for our good things. We're thankful for our blessings. We're thankful for our comfort that we enjoy. We're thankful for our hope. We're thankful for our future. We're thankful, yes, dear Lord, for our salvation. But why glorify God for those things? Now listen to me. Because all of those are made available from God, through God. Now stay with me. All of those things are made available from God through God. We know every good and perfect gift is from our Father above. But listen to me this morning, that's not enough. Listen to me this morning, that's too shallow. Listen, if we focus like that, if we're thankful like that, we could get carried away with the things. No, but watch this. Those things and many more things are found. They exist. They have occurred, not just coming from God, but coming because of God. Now, did you hear that? That's important. Listen to me. Those things are found. Those things exist. Those things have occurred, not just coming from God, but coming because of God. Now, listen to me. There's a difference this morning. Get that. That's a big deal. We have good things because we have a good God. We have life because we follow the God of life. We have family and friends because we have a God of relationships that made us in his very own image. We have salvation today because we have a God himself who saves Jesus. We have mercy today because we have a God that is patient and kind and long-suffering. We have grace today because we have a God whose loving kindness is everlasting. In fact, from everlasting to everlasting and whose compassions are new every morning. Listen, we have love today. We are so loved today. Why? Because God is love. Listen to me, today we're not to care, go out and try, be cast out to our own devices. We have a God that sees today, El Roy, praise the Lord. Listen, today we are safe because we have a God that's all powerful. We are secure because we have a God that is faithful. We are sure because we have a God that is trustworthy. We have a future because we have a God that is eternal. Do you see how this works right now? What are we thankful for today? Oh, the blessings, yes. Oh, salvation, yes. But all of those things are grounded in our God. So we're thankful for God today. We're thankful for God today. Oh, he is great. Oh, he is marvelous. Oh, he is gracious. Oh, he is kind. Oh, he is wonderful. Thanksgiving 2022 we are thankful for God. Here's my call to you. It's always got to be something weird, so here it is. 
Here's my call to you. This year, let's make it a Hebrew Thanksgiving. Now, I'm going to eat ham, so let's don't, let's don't go that far. <laughs> but at least have a Hebrew understanding of Thanksgiving. Here's my call. This year, let's have a, a Thanksgiving in a Hebrew understanding. And what that means is this. This year, as we leave this service, as we head into this week, as we sit down with our families to pray on Thanksgiving Day, let us heave our thankfulness for him on him. Let us pour out our thankfulness for him on him. Again, let's not keep some of it back. Let's not dribble it out. Let's not get so caught up that we're in a hurry. Let's pour out our thankfulness for him on him. Most literally, listen to me, let's throw down our thankfulness this Thanksgiving. Let's throw down. I never thought I'd say it. Let's throw down this Thanksgiving. Oh, he is worthy. Oh, he is worthy. Oh, he is worthy. Pour out your thanksgiving for him on him. Praise the Lord. He is worthy. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and I praise you. And I could, I could list things for, for hours that you've blessed me with, that you've blessed us with, and we should and we do. Lord, I come and I know that everything is grounded in you. Everything is afforded to us because of you. And you are wonderful and you are marvelous and you're matchless. You're infinite in all your character traits. Lord, you're good. You're righteous and you're right. You're just. You're love and you're loving. Lord, we just come and I, I pray as we head into this season, as we, as we end this service, Lord, that we're just thankful for you Oh, God, we're so thankful for you. Lord, I pray now as we conclude this service, I pray that our hearts have heard, our hearts have turned, our hearts have been tuned. And I pray that we would exist and we would leave and we would stand as a thankful people. But also know there are some that do not know you. And I pray, Lord, that in the hearing of a God that is gracious, that is worthy of worship, that is our Savior, God. I pray that this very day they would turn to you and they would receive you in your power and in your grace. Lord, I pray that it would bear fruit for your glory today. Lord, we, we come, we see this year, and it's, it's another mark of a, of a year gone by. You didn't leave us and you didn't forsake us. You stood with us and you were gracious and you were kind to us. And so we praise you for that. Lord, I pray in this time of invitation that you would work and you would move. We turn it over to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Do you know, I was thinking about this, and I've thought about it several times. Did you know all of the attributes of God, all of the characteristics of God, all of the things we love and marvel at about our God show up in the cross of Calvary? Did you know that? I could say, well, let's look here, and let's look here, and let's look at some verses. Let me tell you this. Our God, his his traits, his character, all show up in the cross of Calvary. Do you know he's the God that saves? There's Jesus, our Savior. Do you know he's the God whose grace is greater than all of our sin? And if we mess up four times, there's grace for five. Do you know it shows up in the cross of Calvary? There's our Savior, Jesus. Do you know our, our, our God is wise? 
And he's perfect and any plan we devise would fall apart. Any man-made plan would have never made it. But as we stand there, there is perfect justice and perfect grace all unified in one event. There's our Savior, Jesus. You know, there's love there. If you want to see love, you look to the cross of Calvary. And you'll see the God that is love nailed to the cross in our stead, showing us his love. You know, all the things we marvel at about our God show up in the cross of Calvary. Let me tell you this. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're listening in some other way, and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you, He loves you. He knows you. And you know what? He sees you. He sees your terrible plight. Because of His great love, He sends His only begotten Son. He comes, He lives a life with no sin, the perfect Lamb of God, that He may offer Himself in the stead of sinners. And that's what He does in the cross of Calvary. And there the the justice of God is poured out on Jesus. He pays our penalty. There the grace of God is offered. If we will believe in Jesus, trusting him as our Lord, as our Savior, we shall be saved. I want to tell you that the the greatest thing you can do to show your thankfulness to God is say, you know what I believe? I believe. I, I see. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, do that today. What an awesome week to say, Lord, I trust Jesus today. Maybe you've heard this a million times. Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard it clearly. God loves you. He's made a way for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sin through Jesus. If you'll turn to him, trust him, he'll save you today. Do that today if you've never done that. If you need more information, you come. Let's settle it. Let's talk about it. Let's see what God's word says. If you've never done that, do that today. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you never fought in believer's baptism. It's not part of our salvation. It's a picture of what we believe of Christ. It's a testimony to what we believe has happened to us in and through Christ. And so you're here to say, yes, I've trusted Christ. Maybe it was sometime recently. Maybe it was further back. But you know what? I've never fought in believer's baptism. You come this morning. We'll set a date. It'll be a great day of testimony, a great day of celebration pointing to our Savior Jesus. Maybe you're looking for a church home. And if you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here, you come and together we'll unite. And we'll serve his cause. We'll preach his word. We'll uphold his truth until he comes again. Maybe God's leading you to do that. If you've prayed about it, you come. Let's take care of that as well. Maybe you want to come and pray in an altar. Maybe, maybe you want to come this Thanksgiving week and say, Lord, help change my attitude. Lord, help me walk out of here with joy. Let me walk out of here with thankfulness. We have a risen Savior. We have a hope that endures. Maybe you want to pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit, but you would pray for those who are making decisions. If God has spoken to you as we we stand to sing, you step out, you come on, I'll meet you here.